Welcome into episode 107 of the Gumprunners Podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law coming at you here. Um, following some more staff hires at the University of Alabama, some commits of the uh, Kalen DeBoer era um, of the high school rank, uh, not transfer portal guys, actual 2024 high school players. And then also Alabama takes down number eight, Auburn, um, Wednesday night in basketball, 79 to 75. Electric atmosphere in Coleman Coliseum, huge win for the Tide, who now sits atop the SEC um, on the hardwood. So, guys, let's start with football first. I, I wanted to kind of wait until Alabama got some of some of its staff finalized. I believe they're they they intend to hire one more coach. Um, Alabama running a new type of defense, that four two five defense. So we all assume it would be an edge guy. Uh, you know, uh, another. Defensive line coach, um, Freddie Roach, being promoted to the uh, the assistant head coach. So, con- so uh, congrats to Coach Roach on that. Um, but it's on the offensive side of the ball. You bring over from Washington. You, you've got Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. Scott Huff, the offensive line coach, been at Washington since like 2017. Um, Nick Sheridan coming in from from Washington to coach the tight ends, and of course, Jamarcus Shepard, the wide receivers coach who everybody's talking about. Um, these are just on-the-field guys. Of course, Courtney Morgan and Jarrett McElwain come in to do some behind-the-scenes stuff. But on-the-field staff, just give me your overall opinion of how you think this Washington staff will come into the SEC. Do you agree with bringing that type of staff over? And uh, and, and just talk about what, how do you think they'll perform in the SEC? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean – I, I, I have to agree with all the coaching hires of uh, the new system and everything that's been going on so far. Um, I can't remember who the company is or the guy or whatever, but there's a stat been produced by a, co- by a company out there that says that Alabama has the highest rated, the highest graded on field staff in the country. Yeah. Um, that's from right. the head coach all the way down to the last assistant so far. And, you know, all things considered, this has got to be extremely exciting for all Alabama fans and extremely terrifying for the rest of the nation. I mean, think about it. The greatest head coach in college football history retires, and now the University of Alabama has hired another guy who may be, you know, different in some ways, but a damn good head football coach, and he is putting together an elite staff. What's the last time we could say that at Alabama? I mean, we literally coaches did not want to come here to coach under the goat, but now we got this guy in. He's bringing in all these elite guys to come coach and develop these guys, these recruits coming in. It's great. It's great. Yeah, and I certainly agree. On the offensive side of the ball, you hired an offensive-minded head coach, and I think one thing that, that has made this offense so dynamic at Washington over the last couple of years is is they've had this exact same staff in place. And so I think it speaks a lot, like you just said, Lester, that these guys are willing to follow him. Look, guys, this isn't a, a move from Georgia Tech to Tuscaloosa. This isn't a move from, from Florida Atlantic or something. I mean, Washington, it's at the other end of the country. I mean, just about the farthest move you could make and for all of these guys to pack up their families and move from Washington to Alabama just to be able to coach 
or to continue to coach under Kalen DeBoer really says a lot um, uh, about him and how easy it is to work for him and how much they appreciate him and what he does for him. And uh, maybe the leeway he gives them, of course, we'll see all that in season. But Lester, that's right. You know, Nick Saban has always been known as a guy who is very detailed, very prepared, and just works his staff, works their fingers to the bone, basically. I mean, these guys are showing up at 6, 7 in the morning, leaving at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Um, and that can be it's, – it's definitely a grind to work under Nick Saban. But, guys – also knew the trade-off was you're going to get a head coaching job because everybody wanted a piece of the Nick Saban coaching tree. So it's kind of a trade-off there. So I think it does speak a lot uh, to Kalen to DeBoer that, that all of these guys, I mean, you're talking about four or five guys uh, coming from Washington and then being on the offensive side of the ball, it makes perfect sense because that's kind of – it's kind of what got you there, so to speak. You know, Kalen DeBoer has had a lot of success. Of course, he hadn't had – crap defenses but you know, I don't think he's had really elite defenses anywhere he's been but that offense has really been his you know been the, the driving force behind his success and so for him to be able to get all of those guys to come from Washington to Alabama I think it's a major upgrade for Alabama J-Law what do you think about this offensive staff all the Washington coaches Ryan Grubb Scott Huff Nick Sheridan Jamarcus Shepard coming from Washington to to Alabama and how do you think they'll perform in the SEC yeah, you know, just so far, I mean, no, we're not talking recruiting right now, but a huge shout out to Shepard building that relationship with um, Ryan Williams in a matter of days, locking that down, rolling out the red carpet for him. But I just think from a from a coaching standpoint, man, you you don't you don't only really get DeBoer who runs a great offense, but you get the man who kind of orchestrates it behind the scenes in Grub. You get Shepard, who has turned, I don't want to say a bunch of nobodies into first-round wide receivers, but the word on the street is this guy, man, he he coaches route trees. I mean, like, he he coaches routes, running routes, the whole nine yards, He's and he's been with Grubb. So, you know, there's that there's that um, fluidity. There's no learning curve. They're going to run what they're going to run. Um, and, have, and bringing Huff over on the offensive side, man, like you bring in the Joe Moore winning um, offensive line coach, who coached an undersized offensive line last year and did a phenomenal job, kept Penix from getting sacked. They ran the ball when they needed to and a lot of times when they wanted to. But I just think overall, man, the offensive staff, I think Greg Byrne thinks a lot like us because we none of us think we're going to win, you know, six national titles in the next 14 years or so, however many years it took Saban to do it at Alabama. But if you're not going to win that many natties, bring in a dynamic offense, put a great product on the field. And if you're going to lose a game, lose it 37-34. Don't lose it the way that we were kind of potentially losing games under Tommy Reese and that boring offense that we had to sit back and watch last year. So I just think it, it brings excitement. Um, it should be a lot of fun. And, you know, now these guys get to coach elite players. They didn't have any elite players at Washington. Now, like just like you said last year, Chase, bring in somebody who's doing more with less. This whole coaching staff that's come over did more with less, and now they're going to be able to do more with more. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I believe I saw a stat where uh, Scott Huff in the last 44 games that he's been the offensive line coach at Washington, they've given up 43 sacks, which is less than one per game. That's kind of a sigh of relief to Bama fans after watching Jalen Milrow get sacked 50 times this year. So 
hopefully and and you know I understand not all that is is on the offensive line, but I think there's a pretty good mix between quarterback, offensive play calling, and offensive line. So hopefully all of that will be fixed immediately, and um, Alabama can see that number drop from 49 last year way down. Um, I think Washington gave up 12 sacks last year, if I'm not mistaken. And um, so it's just absurd what they were able to do with, like J-Law said, an undersized offensive line. Um, switching over to the defensive side of the ball, defense coordinator, it's not Womack. I've heard it was Womack, but I'm not 100% sure. So, Lester, let's, I'm going to call him Kane Womack, who is the head coach at South Alabama. Um, he had a relationship with Kalen DeBoer with, uh, at Indiana, I believe. He comes over leaving a head coaching job. Maurice Linguist, the head coach at Buffalo, leaves them to to come a, uh, to come and be a defensive back coach in this defense. Colin Hitchler um, is a new safeties coach from Wisconsin. He'll be in the same role at Alabama. And then, of course, like I said, one more guy to go. And, and we're not talking about Robert Gillespie and Freddie Roach because we understand that they were retained and, and we talked about them last time on the podcast. So we're just talk, trying to talk about the new guys here that Alabama's hired since then. So kind of the exact opposite of what you get on the offensive side of the ball, Lester. You know, the offensive side of the ball is the same guys from the last two or three years. This is a mix of guys that have never coached before. So if you're going to have any issues, it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. You're bringing in a new system. Um, these guys are brought in to play the 3-4. That's what they were recruited for. I don't think the four two five is a ton of difference because Alabama had to play so much nickel. Um, and whereas, you know, Dallas Turner and Chris Brazel are acting like defensive ends and a four two five, but it's different. It's different terminology. It's it is slightly different, maybe in the blitz packages and what you want to do defensively. Um, so you kind of got a hodgepodge of guys that have never coached before here, Lester. Tell me what you think of this new defensive staff of Kane Womack, Maurice Linguist, and Colin Colin Hitchler. Yeah, I mean, once you do a couple of deep dives in some of these guys, I think Womack coming from um, South Alabama, the guy has coaching ties here in the state. Um, when you when these guys were hired, um, coaches and players were just raving about these guys. So I, I have nothing but the utmost um, trust and respect for these guys to come in, implement their system, and from what I can tell, from what I can read and from what people are saying about their you know the four two five system is they're gonna let the defensive line eat they're gonna let the cornerbacks corner and they're gonna bring some heat so I don't think it's gonna be a bunch of oh this five star guy he's not playing because he can't learn the system or this is really really complicated when all that's done with I, I pray to God all of that is done with there's no reason Nick Saban should be running as complicated of a system as he did here at the college level. Get these guys in, get Noah Carter in. Let's get an elite defensive line back. Let's get these corners out into the island. They're going to be elite. Let them cover their guy. Let's go set the quarterback or some turnovers and be elite defensively. I believe that this system can be really, really, really great especially when paired with our offense that's going to put up numbers, that's going to put up pressure on the other team's offense, it's, it has potential to be awesome. Compl a complimentary football team. 
Offense sets up the defense, and defense is going to set up the offense with the turnovers that they can create. Yeah, I don't want to speak on the the four two five too much because honestly, I, I never studied it. You know, as an Alabama fan, you know a lot about the three four because that's what you've really watched and and studied. I guess for those who really like to get into the X's and O's of football um, over the last sixteen seventeen years, so. After all that, you're coming in and bringing a new system. For fans, you know, there's really so many question marks on the defensive side of the ball. But I believe what they're going to try to use this 4-2-5 for is more speed blitzes off the edge, if that makes sense. You know, less less linebacker blitzes and pressures up the middle. Maybe some stunts and twists to try to get middle pressures, but really just penetrating with two defensive tackles through the guards, through your A-gaps and B-gaps, and just maintain – um, gap control there and and try to cut down on the run on the scramble lanes for the quarterback and then bring pressure with your faster guys off the edge you know that husky position which is basically the star position in the in the three four um, I think you'll see a lot of blitzes from that spot maybe some backer blitzes that are around the edge and uh, and so I don't want to speak on it too much but I believe that's what you're going to see here of course you know once we get into spring football and and watch the eight a game and in the next season you'll be able to 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 tell and learn more of that. Um, but I think what DeBoer did, JL, you can you can tell me if you agree with this. I think what his plan was is I mentioned earlier, I've got my guys on offense. That's my bread and butter. I've got to bring them with me and I'll figure out the recruiting later. But recruiting wise, I think he went with a with a more of a recruiting approach on defense because Kane Womack, he's never coached in the SEC as a as a top top tier offense or assistant, but he does have tie he knows he knows the area. You know, he's always been around the state of Alabama. He's always been in the South. He understands the the area. Um Maurice Linguist has been in the SEC before. Colin Hitzler was with Womack at uh, at South Alabama and really um knows the South as well recruiting wise. He coached Jeremy Reeves, who was a an all American safety at, at South Alabama. He coached Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant up there in Cincinnati in 2021. Um, I think Sauce Gardner went like top 15 in the draft. So he's developed some top tier defensive backs at lower level programs. And so we talk about doing more with less. He's another one that's done a really good job. And he's also familiar with the 425 system. So I think recruiting was a bigger emphasis on the defensive side of the ball. He brought in some guys on the off the defense that have been in the SEC, that have been in the South, that understand the area, and um, to really help out in the recruiting aspect. And then offense, he's like, okay, let's get it done on the field and try to sell the system to recruits. And then once they see it in the season, um, that will help them understand how explosive it is and how they can fit into the system. Jayla, do you agree with something like that? And also tell me, how you feel about these hires on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, you know, I, I do agree with that because offensively it's easier to show a player how you're going to get the ball, what they're going to be doing on each and every down. Defense, as Nick Saban always told us, is reactionary. You're reacting to what the other team's doing. So, I mean, you kind of have to have the athletes and the players to be able to go out and and be able to react with the other off to what the other offense is doing. So, I mean, I like the defensive staff, man. You keep Roach. As much as we want to harp on Roach not recruiting the best, I guess, in state, we've lost a few maybe. 
I mean, but it was really just Peter Woods. It's like the only guy that we were like actually just like super ticked off about this whole time with, with Freddie Roach. But, um, you know, but he has guys like Tim Keenan who are playing themselves in, into the upper part of the NFL draft. I mean, developing some key guys. Freddie Roach has done a good job, so you keep him. I mean, Womack's going to be linebackers. I mean, that's pretty – I know that's pretty standard. D.C. is going to be your inside backers coach. We're still expecting an, an edge coach. you got to kind of get the, uh, those guys off the edge to the quarterback. Um, but, man, I, I, I like the staff a lot. I mean, you bring in the guy from Buffalo, head coach experience, a well-respected guy. Man, listen, you don't become a D1 head coach by accident. I mean, you got to be able to coach a little bit. I mean, so that's why people may not know Womack or Linguist or – a lot of these guys may not be household names, but I do think that uh, DeBoer added some really good coaches mixed with some really good recruiters. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, we still didn't talk about keeping Coach G. I mean, Gillespie's going to bring you a lot of recruits. He recruits Florida very, very well. Has always done a good job down there for us. Excited to have him back too. But, man, just the defensive staff. I, I really think, like, right now in the NIL era, it's very similar to A&M hiring Mike, uh, Elko. Dude, he's not going to wow a recruit standing there tubby in their living room, but what he is is a good coach. He's going to get them ready and let the NIL take care of itself. You're going to miss some dudes. You're going to get some dudes based off of NIL. So if you have a good coaching staff, and not to piggyback off of Lester a couple weeks ago because he might have confused the people when he said this is potentially a net positive, but, man, DeBoer is a heck of a coach Maybe he lacks – maybe he's not going to recruit as well as Nick Saban or Kirby Smart, but when it comes to the NIL and the transfer portal, you need to be able to look at talent, be able to see how much money you're going to be able to give to somebody for the cheapest amount of money possible, which is where Courtney Morgan comes in, and then try to put the pieces together and build a roster. Because we used to talk about building a roster. Once they were on your team, your freshman year, your, their freshman year, you'd have to build a roster. you got to build a roster every year now. So I think that's a big part of that too, and Courtney Morgan. So what the Bowers just been able to do with this with this staff to be able to keep some guys locked in, and then be able to kind of just weave this thing into where in the next three or four years you're looking like, okay, if we could just coach the talent that we have here with a really good coaching staff, we might sneak up and win a natty and play for two in the next two or three years. So that's gonna be pretty exciting. Yeah, it's almost like kind of piggybacking off of what you're talking about, J Law. It's almost like if you're a if you're a great recruiter, coaching kind of isn't – or on-field coaching kind of isn't as important. And then if you're a great on-field coach, kind of recruiting isn't as important. And I'm not saying that it's irrelevant, but at the same time, we've seen what DeBoer can do um, with lesser talent. And also at times we saw what Nick Saban could not do with tremendous recruits. I mean, how many times did Alabama look lost this year on the offensive and defensive side of the ball? And – once again, they had the most composite talent, according to 247 Sports, in the entire country. And it was like that year in and year out. And there was just games where you're like, I mean, just Alabama just got outcoached on the field. And I don't see that happening. Alabama, Mike J. Law said, you're not going to have the same caliber of recruiting. You're not going to finish one, two, or three every year. But if DeBoer can finish in that top seven range every single year, um, I, I don't see how – he cannot compete for a college football playoff spot year in and year out. And like I said, um, I truly believe that defensively he hired some guys that can go out and get some dudes. And then offensively, he's going to be like, Hey, y'all watch this. And new staff's already been working. Lester, 
Ryan Williams decommits. I believe it was the what the day after Saban retired or something like that. Um, been committed since like early October and um, decommits the day after Saban retires. Uh, he goes to on a Texas A&M visit. He's got visits lined up for Alabama, Texas, and then Auburn right before he he decides on his birthday on February 9th. He he takes the Alabama visit, or he comes up midweek randomly. Some say he was at a track meet. I don't really know, but he meets with the coaches. He's hanging out with Jalen Mbakwe. Um, or, sorry, yeah, Mbakwe. And um, he comes on his Bama visit, brings his whole family. Everybody's seen the pictures and all the, the, the red carpet that they rolled out for him. And the Texas visit gets canceled, and then Wednesday – about what five five o'clock, he goes ahead and pulls the trigger, commits to Alabama. And what was the first thing I told y'all, Lester? I said I'll feel the best when he what signs on the dotted line. No, when he cancels uh, that Auburn visit. Oh, cancel Auburn visit, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he frees the snake, man. I mean, this is what he does. He's trying to pull a Jimbo. He's gonna get him on campus the last weekend right before he signs. He's gonna blackmail him, whatever they have to do, and he's gonna say, "Hey, what's your highest offer right now to date?" And he'll tell him, then he'll beat it, and then they go grab the money. And then he signs with Auburn. I I fully expected that to happen, whether he committed or not. And I told y'all. I will not feel good about this until the Auburn visit's canceled. And then, bam, Alabama beats Auburn. One minute later, Hayes Fawcett pulls out another edit that says, oh, yeah, Ryan Williams canceled his Auburn visit, shut down his recruitment. Huge win, Lester, for this Alabama football staff and their first their first commit. Do, do you – well, yeah, just, yeah. let me just go ahead and let you talk. Tell me tell me what, what Alabama's getting to Ryan Williams and how big this is for, for Coach DeBoer's first high school commit of his era. On top of getting an elite five-star plus athlete who can do amazing things when he has the ball in his hands, Alabama for the next three years, hopefully, they're getting an an elite troll, an elite asshole that's going to dominate. Could you imagine, first of all, he commits to Alabama before the game, Auburn gets their ass beat, then immediately after the game, he cancels their visit. Y'all, that is not by mistake. We are going to – that guy, look, he's going to be an elite personality. Um, I really hope that he dominates on the field. I have no reason to believe that he won't, especially in this offense. You know, you had Michael Penix come out today, you know, Washington's, you know, Heisman Trophy candidate uh, quarterback, saying that go to Alabama to play under Coach DeBoer. He said wide receivers are going to be the best, um, you know, position group that's going to get, you know, developed under this guy. So, yeah, I, I love it. I, I I love Ryan Williams. Um, shout out to that guy committing. And once again, shout out to him shutting down his recruitment. So that's going to be like, I don't believe there's going to be really a drop off in recruiting, guys. I mean, Noah Carter just committed today. We just got Ryan Williams. You know, it's it's. Getting Ryan Wilson is is it's a sign to everyone else in the cup in the country to every other recruit that this guy means business. He's not here to play around anymore. So, you know, great, great outlook ahead for Alabama football and recruiting. Jayla, you're you're Hugh Freeze and you come in, you finish your first year at Auburn. It's a disappointment, but you're looking, you got a top ten recruiting class 
something that Brian Harson could not sniff. First recruiting class in three or four years for Auburn. Um, you've got some big time receivers. You got your quarterback, who's I think is average, and Walker White, but you got him nonetheless. Um, you uh, Nick Saban retires, and then your biggest fish left out there for twenty twenty four. Ryan Williams decommits from Alabama. All signs are, are pointing him to Auburn. They really are. I mean, everybody thought it was an Alabama and Auburn race neck and neck. Nobody ever thought he was going to Texas or Texas A and M. Um, everybody thought he was just going on the visits to get some money. And um, it was always a, a neck and neck race between between Alabama and Auburn. So you're sitting there just licking your chops. You're like, oh, Saban's gone. I'm about to clean up in state. Ryan Williams a lot to Auburn. Then all of a sudden this happens. What's going through Hugh Freeze's head right now? Oh, so man, the Auburn fans, they're getting punked the hardest. The greatest of all time that just put on the greatest run in college football history of all time, which is also the greatest recruiter of all time, hangs it up. You're feeling fresh. Alabama hires Husky Harson from the American Pacific Northwest out of nowhere. This guy is from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Played NAIA football. That's that's like that's worse than Huntington, I think. I mean, that's like isn't that lower? Isn't that is that farther down or higher? I don't even know. It's how bad it is. So they, I mean, they they got all their jokes off. The jokes lasted three days. DeBoer's hired on Saturday. On his way back from a Texas A&M visit on MLK Day, Ryan Williams is in Tuscaloosa, hanging out in DeBoer's office, hanging out with Bakwe chopping it up with a couple other guys that are on the staff that weren't officially hired yet. And within, within what was it, yesterday was two weeks since Saban was out, Ryan Williams is back in crimson and white. Kalen DeBoer walks up to Hugh Freeze, punches him in the stomach, turns him upside down, shakes him down, lunch money falls out of his pocket, stuffs him in a locker, Takes Ryan Williams back to Tuscaloosa with him. I mean, Hugh Free, the, the, these Auburn fans for about four days thought that they were going to run this state, and they're not. Uh, Alabama lost nobody in their 2024 class except Julian Sayan, who, yeah, like, look, Alabama is the king of five-star quarterbacks coming in and not doing anything. Blake Barnett, Phillip Sims, Star Jackson. I mean, we can name them on and on for the last – you know, 17 years, you lose one guy, couple of dudes transfer. Some of these guys are going to transfer, whether Saban stayed or not, didn't matter. And next thing you know, Kalen DeBoer helps get Alabama's class all the way back up to number two with Julian Sayan leaving the class. And so, man, but Hugh, they, they have to be in, in, in cope mode, not meltdown mode yet, because there is still some hope in that 2025 class. But the way that this Alabama staff has been on the road the last two weeks playing catch up, dude, they probably hit almost every high school that has a player that's worth a dang in the entire state. And I think Hugh Freeze has got to step back and be, and be a little bit nervous. I think he took a sigh of relief right after saving her tire because nobody is going to to be the GOAT except maybe Kirby Smart in a decade or two. But he thought his life was going to get easier. Well, it just got harder because they were ready to drop about six hundred, seven hundred thousand 700000 on Ron Williams. There's no way he's going to go play for a Husky Harson from at Alabama. And he doesn't even he doesn't even take your visit. He doesn't even come to the Plains. Tells you no to your face. Takes two visits to Alabama and they lock him down like that. 
tell me, guys, is 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 DeBoer gonna have a hard time recruiting? Is he? Because Ryan Williams took two visits to Tuscaloosa in a week, gets relocked down. They pull in Noah Carter. They pull in a couple of good transfer portal players. We're still waiting on one more in Jabbar Muhammad, who's a lockdown corner. I don't see these guys having a hard time recruiting. And again, in the NIL era where Alabama is behind in NIL as we're talking right now, Alabama fans will not be bullied for long. This is what I've been told from somebody inside of Alabama's athletics department who knows a lot of a lot of big money people across the state. They're not going to be bullied very long when it comes to NIL. They didn't need it with Saban. Um, you're you're going to probably see when the spring portal opens up in that 2025 class, these Alabama boosters know what it's going to take to get the elite of elite talent on campus now because Saban's not there. They're going to give him a really good good coach and Kalen DeBoer and. I really don't see much of a drop-off. Guys, the last three years, we hadn't won nothing anyways. Are we really going to drop off from the production that Saban put on the field with the three best rosters he may have ever had? 21, 22, and 23? Are we really going to – I don't see a drop-off from this year, last year, the year before. Well, that's the talk, man. You know, like you look at offensive coordinator over the last three years, offensive coordinator is an upgrade. Offensive line coach, upgrade. Receivers coach, upgrade. Running back coach is the same. A tight ends coach, uh TBD. I mean, I really don't know anything about Nick Sheridan. But, you know, defensively, you, you had Pete Golding. It isn't anybody from him. I think my five-year-old's an upgrade from Pete Golding. Uh, Kevin Steele, T-Rob, who knows who was calling the defense last year. Saban, I think it was kind of a, a, a shit show over there on the defensive side of the ball last year. So maybe that's an upgrade there. Who knows? I mean, it, it seems like Alabama is upgrading at more positions than not as far as coaches go. Yeah, and I'm not – listen, I'm not trying to say, like, Man, this is a breath of fresh air from the Saban era because the Saban is the GOAT. Don't get me wrong, but to me, it's refreshing to see Ryan Williams get the freaking red carpet because for Saban, and only Saban and one other coach can do this, is Kirby Smart, can sit down in your mama's lock, in your mama's uh, living room or with your parents in the locker room or in the office and say, if you don't come here, we're going to win without you. So, hell, go to Auburn. We'll beat you when you're down there. Dude, that's not going to work anymore. Like, you you have to step your game up in recruiting. They told Ryan Williams, dude, we want you. We need you. Isaiah Bond left. We don't really know exactly what we have at 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 wide receiver for the next couple of years. Your wide receiver won day one. And all the things that Auburn was pitching Ryan Williams, the second Nick Saban left, all became reasons to go to Alabama. Hey, man, now it's time to take a different path than everybody else. Jump on board at Alabama. Continue the Alabama legacy. Don't just be one that – that did what that just won when Saban was there. Let's take the next step. Let's keep it going. Let's let's leave your legacy by being the first commit for Kalen DeBoer that that gets his trajectory off on the same foot. And yeah, you could draw the parallels to Julio Jones. We'll see if Ryan Williams is Julio Jones, but I, the parallels are there, and I think that's just a massive commit. And again, DeBoer put you know Freeze in a locker and uh, sent him on his way. Oh, buddy. One thing yeah. one thing I love – hey, Lester, how about this? One thing I did like about Ryan Williams' visit, and I, I'm not saying I'm surprised by it, but I didn't really know. Um, you see all the pictures, the videos. Nick Saban did lay the foundation. I don't think anybody can argue that. With Ryan Williams, you know, he, he, he got him on board originally, and then he decommitted right after Saban left for a reason. You know, I know he wanted to wait and see, but – he was committed to Nick Saban just like everybody else was. But um, this weekend, 
there were no pictures of Nick Saban at Ryan at Ryan Williams' visit. There was no videos of Nick Saban. He wasn't anywhere to be seen. I don't know if he was there. I, I don't know. You would think if he was around, somebody would have got him on film. Somebody would have got a picture from him. Somebody would have gotten a quote, a quote from him. I, I didn't see any of that. And so this was a Kalen DeVore like victory, I guess you can say, in recruiting. Even though Saban did build a hell of a foundation there, Kalen DeBoer locked him down and and talked about his system, talked about what he could do for him. Um, because Ryan Wynn, he knows about the facilities. He knows about all the extras that come with, with being at the University of Alabama. He didn't need to be taught all that. All he needed to be told was – how are you going to use me in this offense? And whenever he was told that, he was like, wow, that's better than when I originally committed. Let me go ahead and lock this thing down. Because I think he wanted to come to Bama the whole time. He was just so unsure about what kind of system they were going to put in place and what kind of staff they were going to put in place and how the transition was going to go. And since it went so smoothly, about as smoothly as you can go after a guy that's been there for 17 years retires, um, it, after Ryan Williams saw that, he was like, let's go ahead and pull the trigger. But um, Lester, were you surprised to, to see Saban not there and really not being a part of this this big visit weekend? Because it wasn't just Ryan Williams. He had Parker Brailsford there from Washington, Jeremy Bernard there from Washington, Jabbar Muhammad, um, Ryan Williams, and Noah Carter. So they, they hosted four or five guys. Um, so it wasn't just a, a – Ryan Williams love fest they hosted other guys and like you said Noah Carter committed um on Wednesday so that's two two commits and and back-to-back days for Alabama with Austin Mack and Parker Brailsford and Jeremy Bernard already coming over from the portal so a huge recruiting weekend for Alabama yeah I mean to answer your question it's not Nick Saban's job anymore you know I've, no, I've, but I mean, you know, it, it, everybody. I wonder. Everybody probably expected a little bit for him to because of that transition, just to like kind of, oh, let me show the Saban needs to be there to show DeBoer how it's done whenever we bring guys in for visits. And I was yeah. kind of relieved to see that you know it's it's DeBoer's show now. He wants to do it like he wants to do it. No, I, I look. I think what look what J Law said. I'm gonna go back and listen to it 20 times because he hit the nail on the head. Look, Saban, get out the way, dog. When they rolled out that Hollywood star walk of fame, bro, I had never seen that in any recruitment video. I thought that was the coolest shit ever for a guy whose nickname is Hollywood. Guys, go back and watch it if, if you haven't seen it. They pulled out his nickname is Hollywood, and all the great Alabama receivers, they put it on the floor like a Hollywood walk of fame. Do you think that ever would have happened under Nick Saban? J-Law is right. Saban, bye. Goodbye, gone. You are not going to – Kalen DeBoer is not going to tell recruits to go somewhere else and we'll beat you anyway. Because like J-Law said, when was the last time Melbourne won a natty? When was the last time they've had an elite staff? Let's go, man. Like, honestly, I haven't thought about Nick Saban that much since Kalen DeBoer was hired. Um, I'm full on with, you know, DeBoer. Let's go, man. This is so exciting. And to see them put forth that kind of effort for a recruit, especially an in-state guy, how fun is that as a fan just to see? I thought that was so cool. We, I know that Kalen DeBoer looked around Williams and I and told him that we want you here at the University of Alabama. Completely opposite of what Saban may or may have, have done with 
recruits in the past. You know what I mean? So I love it, man. Bring it on. I'm so excited. Like I said, guys, like I said, a net positive. We lost the GOAT. That's the that's the, you know, head coach and you know the ambassador CEO of you know the University of Alabama football team. But we have a net positive guy coming in and he is going to have everyone else shaking in their boots soon. I'm telling you, this guy is going to be elite. We don't have we haven't seen the on field product yet. But everything is pointing in the right direction and is skyrocketing up so far. Auburn fans get swept by Alabama last year in basketball. You have to watch Brandon Miller and company win the SEC tournament or win the SEC regular season and SEC tournament. Um, you you get fourth and thirty one done to you on the football field by Jalen Milrow. You have to watch Alabama win the SEC championship again for the thirtieth time. Um, and then basketball season rolls around, and you got a dang good basketball team. Alabama's getting pummeled. They've got five or six losses. Auburn, you're you're sixteen and two, top ten program in the country. You're going into Alabama, and you just you just become little brother again. You just get, you know, you jump out to the sixteen to eight lead, then get spanked. You're down fourteen and a half. Made a good comeback. You know they were they were they were plus ten in the second half, but then eventually losing by four. Um, Grant Nelson, 14 big points, really good at the free throw line. Mark Sears, another 20 plus point game. Uh, the trail right, so 14, and then Rylan Griffin off the bench, adding 17 points, going five of 10 from deep. Um, really sparking the team in the first half. J Law, talk about this basketball game and what this means for the tide going forward. I mean, I I think it's a testament to Nate Oates because if you look at, I mean, if you just look at these two teams through what. 19 games or so now oh when you just watch them Auburn's a better team like they they play more fluid basketball they play more complimentary basketball they play with a lot of depth I think I listened today they average like 11 guys get 10 minutes I mean so like they're they beat you in a lot of ways and it's kind of what we've been saying since the Anthony Grant era dude if we're not gonna win at least let's score 75 80 points make it a good product and when you have the type of style that NATO and Alabama run right now, you could beat anybody. You could also not lose to anybody, but you could lose some games that you might not lose if you play like Arizona. But in a game like this, where you feel like you're a little out, man, especially down in the paint, man, what Broom was doing, boy, I mean, Alabama would die for Broom right now. I mean, they got Nelson trying to guard and they got Pringle, who's a liability on offense, trying to play down there trying to mix and match on Janai Broom, but man, like you feel like you're outmanned and and what's the equalizer? Dude, it's it's a guy like Rylan Griffin and Reitzel both getting hot at the same time and and lighting the game up because you know what you're gonna get from Mark Sears. You know what you're gonna get from some of these other guys, but when it when you need it in a big ball game, especially in Coleman, man, like that to me that's big. I don't I don't think it's um I don't think it's you know, Bruce Pearl's just not nearly as good as Nate Oates. I don't think that at all. I don't know. I don't think we can go up there and win by any means. I Just looking at it right now, I don't think it's an indication of anything. But I think it's just a big win for Alabama basketball. They they got, I think it's their third or fourth quad one win. They played a lot of quad one games. They played a very tough schedule. And you looked at Alabama's resume up into that game, you're like, the best part of their resume is some losses to some really good teams. Well, not anymore. You just beat top 10 Auburn, looking like you're almost solidifying yourself as a five seed if you go 
Just, I mean, if you go even the rest of the way out in, in conference, you go 500 the rest of the way, maybe win, you know, 60% of the rest of your conference games, you're sitting at a five seed, no issue, and you're looking good in the NCAA tournament. But hats off, Nate Oates, man. Had his guys gassed up, um, ready to go in this game. And that's the thing about Nate Oates, man. When it's, when it's a big, big game, I know Tennessee just blew us out. I feel like it's a little different because they're just, they're just plumb better than us. Let's just put it that way. But when it comes in a game like this, Nato's has his team ready, man. Yeah, you don't really go into Tennessee and, and win up there. They're playing the hack shack is what I'll call it. You know, just their Rick Barnes teams just allowed to, to grab and hold and slap more than any other team I've ever seen at home. That's why they, they always get put out in the first the first weekend, the NCAA tournaments, because you're on a neutral floor and they don't allow you to play like that. You can't just slap the hell out of people whenever you want and get away with it. And uh, so that's why Tennessee never gets past the round of 32. Um, but, yeah, big win for Alabama. Um, Lester, what's next for Alabama, man? Like, we can't get a good read on this team. Like, you lose to some really good teams. You beat Auburn. Can Alabama use this as momentum going into the next few weeks? Because if you could get play like this from Ryland Griffin, like he has a good game against Missouri. He goes into a shell against Tennessee and then breaks out again against Auburn. So four out of his last five games have been really good. But Alabama's got to have that guy. He, they've got to have Latrell Reisel because Mark Sears can't go out and score 25 a game every single night and and it, you know expect to just carry the team the whole year. Yeah, he can get his 2021, but if you're not getting 14 plus from right from two or three other guys, it's gonna be very hard to win a lot of games, especially you know once you have to go on the road in conference. So, can Alabama build off a game like this and maybe get Grant Nelson going and 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 some other guys to to help kind of spark a run here? You would hope so, man. Um, I I, I would hope so, but they kind of are who they are. I know Grant Nelson said that Rylan Griffin, you know, he said he wasn't confident or whatever, yada yada, whatever's going on with his game. And Rodham Griffin, you know, challenged him on the bench. And, you know, he came out with a, you know, I guess a different mindset, different attitude, and and kind of put on for a little bit towards the end of the game there. So, I don't know, you, you know, you hear things about that, and then what's going to happen next game? Is your confidence going to be low? Your confidence is going to be shot? Or are you going to come out and be a dog like everyone is expecting you to be? I mean, as far as, as, far as I'm concerned, like we've been talking about, it's kind of a waste of NIL you know, this guy isn't contributing as much as we thought that he would. So, you know, I, I think this team is who they are at this point, but you would hope that things like this would, you know, be a big boost, be, be, be a big momentum. Um, yeah, I mean, they just beat the number eight team in the country. Like, that's freaking awesome. So let's go ahead and, and continue to build, continue to build. I think Oates is, you know, playing a couple of different guys, playing around with the different guys. He's seeing who's going to be great on that spotlight hits because, you know, some guys are strong and it shows um, Estrada, bench, drill the ball off your leg. Like, I can do that, bro. Come on now. But, you know, Jaron Stevenson, once again, he's stepping up. So I think Oates is still trying to figure out this team. Um, You know, March is still a, a, approaching the SD tournament, you know, still approaching. But I think he's going to have it nailed down by then. So we'll see how it goes in the next couple of weeks. But by the end, by tournament time, I think they'll be in a much better position. Jalen had a good point earlier where I I, th I agree with him. I think this Auburn team is clearly better than Alabama this year. So I think this win was so big because I don't think anybody um, – I don't think anybody that uh, 
I don't think anybody expects Alabama to go into Neville Arena and beat Auburn later this year. So, yeah, you just you don't want to get swept in years where you know you're not as good as your rival. You just don't want to get swept, and so it was nice to, to at a minimum get a split this year. And hey, you know if, if they if they go over and, and beat Auburn on the road, then you know there'll be some some Barners on suicide watch over there, and you just you, you hate to see that, um, you know. So. Um, but that's that's all I got, guys. Anything else y'all want to talk about before we wrap up here? Donate to Yay Alabama. Do it. Donate. Even Brock. <laughs> even Brock. Yeah, in. Brock. Dude, Brock Michael, shout out. He donates to Yay Alabama. And boom, Ryan Williams hears about it. He's like, that's my dog down there in Tampa. I'm going to commit. And then Noah Carter's like, what? Brock gave. So I'm going to commit too. So Brock's two for two. There, There you go. I mean, hey. It's it's instant instant rewards, guys. I mean, like bring them home. Appreciate it, Brock. But uh, yeah, um, appreciate everybody listening in. Um, you know, not sure when the next podcast will be. Probably during basketball. Probably space it out to one every two weeks or so. We'll see what continues to play out in recruiting the transfer portal. Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL, so Michigan's um, roster is now open for for 30 days. We'll see what happens there. Don't expect too many of those guys to leave if they hire from within um, to kind of keep the foundation where it's at. But we'll kind of see what happens there. And, you know, any any other news breaks, we'll hop on here and, and let you all know about it. So until then, this is Episode 107, Gumprunners Podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law, we're out.